Recur is a world-class NFT platform working with game creators looking to build with NFTs. Don't go through the time, hassle, cost, and risk of building your own tech. Recur provides an institutional-grade secure platform for creators and an easy-to-use experience for users. Recur's one-of-a-kind metagaming service allows game creators to make compelling collecting games with NFTs that drive game economies. If you are a mid- to large-sized developer or publisher looking to enter the world of Web3, contact Recur at RecurForever.com to become a platform partner. Today's global gaming marketplace, your players want to pay how they want, when they want, and where they want. Accepting localized forms of payments and keeping up with what's trending is key to growing your gaming business and to finding new untapped markets. That's where Exola Payments comes in. With just one simple integration, you'll be connected to over 700 localized preferred payment methods on a global scale including bank cards, digital wallets, mobile payments, cash kiosks, gift cards, special offers, and more. Plus, with Exola acting as your merchant of record, they assume the risk of cost of complex VATs, sales taxes, laws, and regulations. Leave every transaction to the experts while you focus on retaining and expanding your audience. You can get started today. Just head over to exola.pro slash paystation or look for the link in the description of this episode. Exola Payments, it's what your gaming business needs to succeed. Hello, friends. Uh, it's me, Ethan Levy, filling in for Mishka. Uh, this, with a very, very exciting spotlight interview today. Uh, I'm not talking tokenomics. I'm instead talking fitness and gaming with my very special guest, Jim Green from Peloton. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ethan. Thanks for inviting me. Great to be here. I'm, uh, I'm super excited to have you here. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself first, and then I'll explain some of the things I'm really excited about uh, uh, talking with you about. Cool, of course. Um, so yeah, my name is Jim Green. I'm a senior product manager here at Peloton, and I work with the team that's working on gamified fitness experiences at Peloton. Um, so our first gamified fitness experience that we released in February is Peloton Lane Break, um, but we're really excited about you know continuing to explore the space. And a, a little bit about your background and your experience in uh, game development before you got to Peloton. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I've had... Uh, a pretty interesting path to product. Uh, coming out of school, I've been in games development for the past 10, 11, 12 years. Um, and I started as a game designer. I was working in uh, kind of uh, social and Facebook and mobile games. I uh, spent a lot of time in New York City in a startup working on a turn-based strategy game for mobile and eventually made my way into a uh, product, uh, focusing first on kind of uh, educational games and now uh, here with Fitness at Peloton. So I'm really excited about kind of finding the blend between the fun and the engagement of interactive experiences and games and uh, finding a way to, to apply them in novel ways to uh, help improve people's lives. Um, and so it's been really awesome getting to do that here at Peloton. So you're, you're trying to do more than just waste people's time like I am with my game. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think that's one of the things that's uh, really fun and interesting about working with folks in games is that I think we all understand that, uh, you know, we're making experiences that people enjoy and, and there's definitely intrinsic value in that, no doubt, no matter what type of experience it is. But um, it's just like the extra sugar on top to be able to do it in a, in a directly positive way like this. Yeah. So let me, let me talk about some of the commonalities I found out about us uh, doing, doing my research before we kind of jump into it. So first of all, just up front, I am a Peloton fan and in fact, kind of a begrudging one. Um, my wife uh, strongly requested one for Christmas last year. I'm like, ah, it's a thing. It's a big, heavy, expensive thing. It takes up room in our house and it has a subscription. And you're never going to, like, in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to like it. I don't like gung-ho positivity in fitness courses. I like either, like, calm yoga or just, like, lifting weights by myself. This was me going into it. I'm like, you're going to... 
this is just going to become an expensive piece of furniture. Um, that was maybe December. Uh, by now, I've clocked three times as many exercise classes as my wife has, who I bought it for. Uh, I like the before I moved recently, I was on it every other night, if not every night, doing long endurance runs in just ride mode while playing my Steam Deck. Like vampire oh, survivors and Peloton go together quite quite well for me. Uh, and uh, I do like the classes. I discovered that like, oh, like a positive, engaging teacher with a good playlist can really uh, make a big difference. And I love taking Olivia Amato classes, uh, Leanne Hainsby. She probably has the music taste or the playlist that are closest to mine. So really, really a big fan. I, I was hoping to hit my happy 100 moment before this interview, but um, as I said, I'm moving and I've actually misplaced the four screws that hold the monitor onto my bike oh, right no. now. <laughs> so until, until I find those, uh, uh, no, no Peloton. Well, it sounds like you're well on your way. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, uh, in the next month or two, I'll, I'll hit that happy 100, and maybe I'll log into my first uh, live class I've only ever done pre-recorded or uh, just rides. Um, second thing we have in in common, we're both uh, out of USC. We're both Trojans. And yeah, I saw, I saw that. Uh... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you've you uh, graduated from uh, the interactive, uh, both interactive media and aeronautics. There, uh, did you take right. classes from uh, uh, Tracy Fullerton? Or I don't know if Chris Swain was still there when you were uh, at school. I think the the timing was a little bit off, but um, I think I had a very similar path. You know, I, I eventually uh, found my way into games, but when I first started in school, yeah, I was in astronautical engineering. Um, had a real strong passion for for math and engineering, but uh, wasn't sure where that was going to lead career-wise. And on a whim, I decided to take uh, a video game production class in the interactive games program. And uh, one thing led to another. And uh, I think I, I really found my true calling there. Um, and if I recall correctly, I was, I was looking a little bit at, about your background as well. It's, I think you probably had a pretty similar path, right? Yeah, kind, kind of similar. I, I started as an engineering student, a computer science student, and then realized like at the time I just didn't have the math or the grit skills to really stick with it. I ended up graduating Annenberg um, and interactive media didn't have an undergraduate degree until my senior year. So it would have been a very expensive fifth year to, uh, to change my major. But yeah. Uh, the game prototyping class that I took from uh, Chris uh, Swain and Tracy Fullerton, uh, game design workshop, that class changed my life. Uh, I still use the class, the tools I learned in that class. Uh, like literally this week, uh, what I'm doing uh, is all based around the prototyping skills and getting things stood up quickly and cheaply skills and mental framework I learned from them. It was, it was you know, those those two people those two instructors are, are two of the most important people in my entire life. And I took one class from them for maybe 12, 12 weeks or so. Yeah. I know so many people who, who had similar experiences where it just took taking one class and uh, then they were hooked. And uh, now there's a ton of uh, alumni in the, in the games uh, industry, yeah. which is really great. Yeah. My, um, did you graduate with that aeronautics degree or what is it? Was it halfway through? I did. I did stick around for that expensive fifth year, and uh, <laughs> I got both of those degrees. I was uh, I was right at the finish line of the engineering degree, and uh, I knew I wanted to make the pivot. So, you know, maybe there was a little sunk cost fallacy at play, but uh, uh, it was great to kind of finish both of those. My off. My, uh, my roommate, uh, sophomore through senior year, was an aeronautical engineer, and so like I knew him and a lot of his his colleagues and like they're at JPL, they're at Blue Origin. One of them still spends like a quarter of the year um, at either the South or the North Pole. I forget which one uh, working oh, wow. on a microscope that's so powerful it can look backwards in time. So uh, the aeronautics people from USC make me feel real dumb. Like, <laughs> awesome, man. So, um, all right. So you... You have a, a background, as, as you said, um, uh, similar to the work a lot of people in the audience have had uh, doing free-to-play games on Facebook, free-to-play on mobile. Uh, what were some of the games that you've worked on 
um, in your time in, in that sector of the industry? Yeah, I actually covered a pretty broad spectrum, which was um, really important and formative for me, especially coming out of school, getting the chance to work on all a, a lot of different projects, a lot of different areas of game design. Um, actually, while I was still in school, I had an internship at Grab Games, which was the uh, studio that um, one of our professors, Anthony Borges, was the CEO of. Um, and that's kind of how I got my first start in the industry career-wise. Um, and as an intern, I worked on uh, first-time user experience, on Great. writing dialogues for NPCs, on Great level design. Him, right? I, I bet, I bet uh, <laughs> yeah, free, free course credit if you work for me. <laughs> that's right. Funnel, funnel straight into the company. Um, but it was it was great. I uh, I worked on some uh, music license titles. I think the thing that was the most fun that uh, actually started to get me to think about product the most was uh, I worked on a game for Facebook called Baby and Me, which is about uh, raising a, a virtual baby on Facebook. So it was kind of my first experience uh, working on a game where I very clearly was not the intended audience yeah. or user. And so trying to think about game design from the perspective of uh, putting yourself in someone else's shoes and creating an experience for them. Uh, I think that was really critical, but um, you know, that's how I got my start. And I, I think, you know, a lot of my game development experience came from uh, my time in New York at Turbo Studios for four or five years, we were working on this uh, turn-based strategy game for mobile called Super Senso. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it was a, a real big hit from kind of a critical perspective. It was a really fun game experience. Uh, it wasn't like the biggest commercial success. And I think that was another one of my, my learnings I, as I went through uh, the process of kind of developing as a developer and as a PM was uh, understanding the importance of making sure that the business model and the game design are in concert with each other the whole, whole yeah. step of the way. And, um, yeah. you know, obviously that's something that, you know, as, as you mature and develop and, and work on more projects becomes even more clear, uh, especially looking at the, the market as it stands today. Yeah, when uh, when you first got into gaming, I, I have a guess that you're like me, a gamer, and it was your passion for playing games that led to your uh, passion for making games. Is that uh, a correct assumption? Oh, absolutely. And it, it wasn't it wasn't really until school that I realized that there was a transferable path where you know I could leverage my passion, my experience, all the years that I've been playing games, and uh, you know, deploy it in a way that, uh, you know, uh, adds value and is unique and, um, allows me to kind of leverage what I'd learned in school. So, uh, it was, it was a great experience to be able to put those things together. At, at that time you were making baby and me, what were you playing? Do you think? Uh, well, not, not too many similar games. I think that that's <laughs> one of the challenges as well is, uh, you know, making sure that you're up to date on competitive reference and things like that. I know back in those days, early 2010s, I think pretty much everyone was playing like Farmville, Cityville, those types of experiences yeah. as a very uh, different kind of world to be kind of a, a mobile right. and social game developer, which uh, I'm happy we've kind of moved past. But right. yeah, I think that was was pretty all absorbing. Well, not, not, not what were you playing for research? What were you playing for fun and passion? Oh, for fun. Uh, yeah, it was kind of hard being in school and uh, working part time. I had kind of full time school and, and 20 hours yeah. a week. So there, there wasn't a lot of time for playing games, but uh it was, uh, you know, try to keep up to date on, on some things here and there. Got it. I'm just picturing you uh, at your job work, working on Baby and Me thinking, why am I working on Baby and Me when I could be, you know, <laughs> playing League of Legends or whatever right now? Um, but it's such yeah. a critical skill to learn to um, make games for an audience that's not you or that is not uh, based on your passion for what what put you into the game industry. And I bet those skills have, um, that you started learning there have, have really served you well as you've moved to education and now uh, fitness gamification. That's right. And that's really what actually helped me make the transition into product more specifically was that, um, you know, I think I always had kind of an intuitive instinct for what makes games fun and, and what are the types of features and systems and gameplay mechanics that are really interesting and inspiring, but I had seen so many examples and cases of game designers that don't have an appreciation for putting themselves in the user's uh, shoes and, and thinking yeah. about all the different types of perspectives of people coming in that, um, you know, I think that's something where I could really leverage my background as a designer, uh, but really lean into like making sure that we're making a product that 
uh, really solves key needs and and really provides a benefit to them. Um, and that's that's what really got me excited about you know my past role at Age of Learning, where uh, we were working on kind of a an MMO 3D learning experience for kids, which was really awesome. Um, and then now, yeah, here at Peloton, where uh, we're trying to do the same for fitness. Yeah. So speaking of what what is your role at Peloton Interactive, and and what does your day to day sort of look like? What are your responsibilities? Yeah. So. It definitely has evolved a bit over time. I've only been at Peloton a year, but uh, things that have obviously changed a bunch and our team is growing and scaling as well. You know, my title is senior product manager, but um, product management can vary a ton across industries, across companies, even within companies themselves. Uh, for me, uh, a lot of what product management means is uh, making sure our team is, is well positioned and resourced to be successful. So um, we have a great internal team of developers, of artists, of uh, designers, researchers that we work with on a day-to-day basis. But uh, we also work with some external contractors and partners and vendors who uh, I collaborate with on the day-to-day and make sure uh, we're staffed to be successful. Um, and I'm also really close to making sure we understand how our products are performing and really bringing the insights to the team needed to make sure we're making the right decisions on the development side of things. So. Over time, I've stepped back a little bit more from, you know, leveraging my game design background and, and helping kind of paint a little bit of the direction for what we did with Lane Break and what we're doing next, and more just making sure that uh, we have all the resources needed to be successful, not just from a staffing perspective, but um, the insights that we dig into from our betas and our testing, uh, coordinating our user research and, and making sure that we're constantly getting feedback that's informing our iteration. Um, so really, it's just about uh, shepherding and empowering the team that we have to keep making great products. Got it. So it sounds kind of like you've moved from almost a design role to, or in in game, you know, in more traditional game development, what would be a design or, or live ops product management type role to almost more of a production, you know, depending on company, it might be called production or development director is what it what it sounds like you're you're currently doing there in some ways, yeah. And it's a it's been an interesting challenge because you know our t- internal team has been fairly small, and games is fairly new to Peloton, so there wasn't a lot of existing in-house expertise about okay. what get game development process is and how it works and the people who need to be involved. So, you know, I, I think part of what has been fun of being here so far is that um, there have been opportunities and needs to step in and help in other places. So. A lot of the levels that we have in Lane Break uh, were designed by me, and I helped out in a lot in that process uh, where needed. Uh, you know, I try and help uh, sometimes in just overall game design conversations. But yeah, like I said, as as we're maturing, as we're bringing in more folks with expertise, it's giving me the opportunity to kind of step back and make sure that uh, we're keeping the long term strategy and focus as well. Got it. So you know, I've I've talked about it a little bit in, in the opening, um, but. You know, it strikes me that half the deconstructor fun audience is outside of the U.S. or in markets where Peloton uh, might not be available or isn't nearly as prevalent as it might be if you're working at a, I mean, I'm no longer in San Francisco, but when you're working in a Silicon Valley startup, you can uh, expect that a lot of your peers and colleagues are on uh, Peloton. And we definitely, uh, when I was working on Tetris, I had many conversations uh, where someone would say, hey, I was on the Peloton last night and um, some stranger high-fived me and I high-fived them back and it was this great social contract interaction. And what if we did, how could we use that as inspiration for the Tetris primetime lobby? Um, so I think it's it was pretty familiar to me and people in my uh, specific bubble. But if, if you're unfamiliar with Peloton, can you describe kind of what it, what it is, what the product is, what the offerings are, um, and what the business model is. Yeah, of course. So Peloton at its core, uh, we think of ourselves as a leader in connected fitness. And by connected fitness, all that really means is the combination of technology and exercise and all the different ways that those things can come together to make you know great products and experiences. Um, and so this all started around 10 years ago. Uh, Peloton's obviously most famous for the Peloton bike. And uh, this is kind of the first uh, foray into this of really taking the boutique studio cycling class experience and bringing it to a wider audience by bringing it into the home. So instead of having to go and schedule uh, a time with an instructor, go pay $30 and get in this class full of 30 sweaty other people, 
Uh, you can now just in your home. Much better shape than you and might make you feel like <laughs> garbage for how sweaty and awkward you are and how slow you're Exactly. Traveling. I mean, this, exactly. Is, this is just, I'm just imagining here. I'm not talking about myself, clearly. <laughs> well, certainly uh, many millions of other people have had that experience as well. And uh, you can still have that experience. And, you know, we still right, have our. You can our, still uh, pay a bunch of money and feel horrible by how out of shape you are as compared to the people who've been doing the thing for like five years. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it started with the bike, but, um, you know, we've now expanded to a much wider kind of audience and platform. Uh, we've got two different bike models, including our new bike plus, uh, released a couple of years ago. We've got a treadmill. Uh, we just released a few months ago, the Peloton guide, which is our, our kind of first foray into connected strength. So, uh, mm. you can do strength training at home. Uh, and we really covered the whole spectrum with accessories and apparel, you know, we just teased uh, at our homecoming event uh, a rowing machine that we're working on. So uh, we're really trying to, to meet members where they are and uh, make sure that we have a way to engage with in fitness um, in, in whatever way motivates our members the most. Got it. I, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, the connected weight machine, you, you need to make a Vin Diesel Guns of Glory uh, game where just Vin Diesel... Uh, uh, coaches you to extreme biceps. That's that's the one I want personally. <laughs> um, For sure. So, and and kind of at, at the heart of the business model is a subscription to the service, right? I, I think it's in the U.S. fifty five dollars a month, probably right now. Yeah, it's in the. I, yeah. So our our business model is primarily um, subscription based. You know, obviously to get the most out of it. Um, we have our, our Peloton hardware and, and really the quality of that software hardware experience is, is what drives kind of uh, our, our, our subscription process. But, um, you know, the, the other model we have as well is it's not just about the hardware. It's not just about the bike, the tread, the guide, um, but we have a pretty great uh, digital app experience as well that allows you to get access to the same uh, content yeah. that exists on kind of the, the hardware experience as well. And so... It's been really great seeing people kind of adopt that as a first step into the experience and, and get to know Peloton and get to appreciate you know, our content offerings, our instructors. It's kind of a gateway into uh, exploring more of our platform. Yeah, I've uh, I've done that. My wife and I have put the um, like a yoga class or a stretching class on the TV and done it together as an example of, uh, of using the app uh, with no uh, hardware. Exactly. Um, so it kind of, uh, I'm just trying to map this to other things I'm, I'm pretty familiar with and that I think are kind of um, uh, globally understood. It's, it's almost like how uh, the Prime membership is such a critical part of being um, an Amazon customer. I imagine that the subscription is a critical part of being a Peloton customer and how something like... Um, prime free loot like every month i go claim my prime free loot games and you know it might um i might not watch them all the time uh, play them all the time but i claim them every single month or similarly you know like i'm there for the two-day shipping but the boys and reacher and jack ryan are, are great tv shows and they keep me in the ecosystem and like i'm literally chomping at the bit to get to uh, caught up and get to the boys season three finale tonight. Um, I imagine that lane break uh, fits a similar part within the Peloton ecosystem or gaming as a whole is, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably you don't expect lane break to be the thing that's selling hardware as much as another added benefit of the subscription and something you might get attached to that'll keep you uh, engaged and subscribed and a happy Peloton customer. Is that, uh, are you the, the boys of Peloton? Is that a, <laughs> the right way to think about it? I think that's not a bad comparison. I, I think that the parallel I would draw uh, along those veins is that um, similar to other subscription services, right. That have all these features and products and offerings. Mm -hmm. um, I think the way we look at it as a product team is that, um, we're offering a pretty broad array of content and different ways to engage with fitness, right? Um, we have our instructor-led classes. We've got the hardware in the app. Uh, we've got our scenic rides and runs. We have just run and just work out so that, 
you know, if you just want to play games in the background or watch Netflix, you still have the option yeah. to do that too. And, and lane break represents another way to do that, right? It's, it's a, a differentiated new innovative form of content that um, sits alongside and adds to the variety of experiences that are available. And I think that's particularly valuable for um, the kind of area of focus we have. You know, there's tons of uh, kind of knowledge and research about uh, the benefits of adding variety to your workout routine. Um, and so for us to be able to provide something like lane break that, you know, doesn't really exist out there on other platforms uh, is just another thing that makes the subscription all that more valuable. And, yeah. and you're right that today, you know, lane break alone may not be enough to sell a ton of people on jumping into Peloton experience, but it'll be a gateway for many to, to come for lane break and then get hooked on the instructor led classes. And we're excited about uh, where we're able to take it in the future and kind of uh, expand that interest as well. Yeah. Um, can you describe uh, lane break for people who haven't played it yet? As I, as I said, I've, I'm missing the screws, so I didn't attach it and play lane break before in the week before the interview, but I watched some videos and it strikes me as kind of a, um, if you've played any of Harmonix's rhythm games, going back to Amplitude or Guitar Hero, it's almost a uh, uh, Amplitude meets uh, exercise bike is, is what it looked like to me. So why don't you describe Lane Break, your first Peloton interactive game for the uh, listeners? Of course. Yeah. So, so Lane Break is very reminiscent of uh, those kind of rhythm-based games that folks may be familiar with. Um, but at its core, it's um, inspired by music and inspired by game experiences. But uh, it's also got, uh, it, it's, it's grounded in the same instructor-led uh, principles and, and exercise science as our instructor-led classes. So uh, the experience itself is you control kind of an avatar or wheel going down this track, and there are multiple lanes on the track. Those lanes correspond with uh, different resistances on the resistance knob. So you basically control your character by turning the knob on your bike. Um, and as you're moving your character down the track, uh, we have different challenges that come down that require you to speed up or change your cadence to try and uh, meet the objectives of the track. So uh, it's a pretty cool mix of using these feedback mechanisms and uh, visual effects and sound effects, things like that from games to help guide and reinforce the same type of, of cues that you might see in an instructor-led class, right? Um, when you're in a Jess King class and she's telling you to do a spin up and get to 120 cadence uh, and be in this resistance range, you know, the way that looks in lane break might be like a breaker that uh, you've really got to charge up for the next 10 seconds to try and burst at the end. Uh, so it's really like our, our way of trying to make that uh, fun and interactive and engaging experience that replicates, again, the same kind of uh, fitness principles as, as our other content. Got it. You're kind of uh, taking uh, the class format of uh, kind of in different intensity level training set to music, giving people music moments and adding... Uh, synesthesia to it, adding res-like audio-visual feedback to try and get people uh, into the workout in a different sort of way. That's right. Uh, if you if you uh, could figure out how to get vampire survivors playable on the <laughs> Peloton, I will finally be able to drop my weight below 170, which has been a, a years-long struggle for me at this point. I'm trying to get to that uh, famous EA executive body mass index, and I cannot get there. <laughs> but uh, Olivia Amato is helping me get closer um, with her uh, smile and positivity. Um, two things I, I lack. So as a, as a game developer, what attracted you to Peloton? I know you'd already, uh, if, we, if we look at those... Um, your your background you'd already stepped um a step towards social good experiences with the age of learning mmo um uh, you have this tradition you know this core facebook and mobile free-to-play background like many of the developers in our audience so what what attracted you to peloton what attracted you to after this age of learning to go again into the social good gaming and not you know, retreat and be like, oh, I'd like to make uh, the next God of War or whatever it is that you enjoy yeah. playing the most. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you, you touched on one of the most important things is the the mission-driven and user-centric focus. Um, I think that's something that has become core to, to what most interests me. And 
Um, I, you know, I've been very fortunate, to be honest, to, to have the opportunity to work in uh, a pretty rare space where these two things intersect. Um, there's not many companies that uh, are doing, you know, gamified experiences in a very direct way like this. So, um, you know, it's, it was a very unique opportunity that I, I really wanted to jump to. But it wasn't really just about kind of that mission-driven focus. Um, I think I've always had an attraction to uh, innovation and being in a space where there isn't necessarily best practice. We're trying to do something a little bit different than what's out there on the market. Uh, it's not necessarily a solved problem. And I think yeah. what we're doing at Peloton really represents that of um, not just trying to take you know a game experience and add some, some motion and things like that. I think if we look at very, very early gamified fitness experiences like you know, Wii Fit, for example, and now Ring Fit, um, those are great at kind of getting people interested in it, but really grounding <laughs> they're, they're, the... They're great at getting me to buy hardware I never use. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, they're fun, but whether or not they are truly a great workout and, and whether you're going to stick with it long term, I think that's that's where, you know, our, our team and our expertise definitely has an edge. Um, but I think the other thing that also attracted me to the company is... You know, Peloton is, is quite a renown for the quality of the, the products and the experience. Um, you know, the products are really well loved. Um, I was a Bike Plus owner before joining Peloton. And, you know, I, I think we've got some of the best products out on the market, of course. Um, and I was really looking forward to working with a super high quality team to, to help develop these types of experiences. Uh, and that was something that kind of attracted me in the interview process and getting to know the team. And uh, it's the reason why I'm still super excited uh, being here, working with the team every day. I think we've got um, some of the most talented and passionate people working in this space, uh, not just in gamify fitness, but in technology and games overall. And um, it's it's a pleasure to get to work with them each day to to solve these problems and and think about how we can advance this field. You know, I uh, in in my kind of 20 years doing this professionally, I've uh, worked almost entirely for game companies. I've, I've had as a consultant a couple gamification experiences where I've worked on a finance product or a, some other stuff in, in the past, um, different forms of learning products and stuff. But I've, I've really just been kind of a lifelong game industry person. Um, how would you compare and contrast uh, your experience inside of game studios to working in a more uh, kind of, I don't know if it's more enterprise type environment, like uh, an environment where I expect uh, pre-COVID when you were working in offices, probably not as many people had uh, discussions about anime or little toy figurines on their desks necessarily. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think, I think it's actually not all that different. Um, something we've been very fortunate with, with with our little smaller kind of uh, gamified fitness focused team within Peloton is that it very much kind of has a, a smaller team feel. It definitely feels a little bit more like a startup within a broader org. I also acknowledge that's that's a huge cliche. <laughs> so, uh, right. you know, to, to get into a little bit more detail about what that really means is that I think we have a lot of independence. Um, the way that we make decisions, the way we build things, is very similar to my past experience in small teams and startups of uh, iterating really quickly, feeling empowered to make decisions and build features without a lot of oversight and collaboration across the org. But that other part of the org does exist and it provides a lot of value too. And that's a lot of where I spend my day-to-day -day now is to think about not just you know building games in a vacuum and uh, what we're working on the day-to-day, -day, but how can we make sure we're working with all of our cross-functional partners within the org to make sure it's not just a great game experience, but that, you know, like I said, it's grounded in the right uh, exercise science and fitness principles that, you know, we're working with uh, our teams on kind of the member engagement and marketing side of things to think about how can we best present lane break and kind of our other gamification initiatives to our current members, to a broader audience of prospective customers. And so um, I think that's, that's the part that's been fairly unique and a new experience for me is, um, taking that kind of uh, business model perspective one step further and thinking about, you know, how do we integrate this as part of a whole and as part of the, the broader Peloton cardio experience? Yeah. So I did, uh, I, I assume that the creation of Peloton Interactive kind of uh, uh, preceded you a little bit. I'm not sure on the exact timeline, but 
Um, are you, do you know, are you able to talk to when gamified fitness became a part of the overall Peloton platform and kind of what the strategic objectives for this gamified fitness group Peloton interactive is? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about kind of the evolution over time. And I don't necessarily think there are specific moments and times where major changes and investments were made, but you can definitely kind of follow the path of how we got to where we are today and, and where we're going. And really gamification at its core has always been a part of the Peloton platform. Um, yeah. If you look at, uh, you even mentioned, right, that the high fives feature, our leaderboard, um, yeah. a lot of these things are inspired by similar features that were seen in, in kind of the gaming universe at the time that these were being developed years ago, right? Um, yeah. So, I, so I, gamification. I really, I'd really love, by the way, to be able to replay a class and play against a ghost of myself because I'm not <laughs> happy with how the leaderboard moves. I could I could spend probably an hour discussing leaderboard calculation with you. <laughs> I just that sorry sorry to, but but yeah I, I, exactly I agree that the gamification is what makes it more engaging or more addictive than um, addictive in a fun positive way easier to stick with than when I've signed up for fitness classes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's always been like a layer on top of the existing experiences. Um, but we did some research uh, a few years ago that seemed to suggest that uh, there would be interest from our members in taking that a step further and not just making gamification a layer on top of you know the existing instructor-led classes and scenic rides, but trying to make something where the workout experience itself was was grounded in interactivity, was grounded in you know these parallels to gaming, um, and that's how our team actually started forming a couple of years ago on the very early kind of prototypes of what something like this could look like, because this had never been done within our team. There wasn't really anything like this out there on the market. Um, and so we did a, a ton of different prototypes, uh, one of which ended up being what Lane Break is today, which is kind of the more grounded in, uh, in fitness, music-driven, very structured kind of workout experience. Um, and you know uh, we've been really happy with what we've seen with Lane Break so far in terms of uh, gaining some interest from our existing community, um, starting to see some interest from people who want to come into Peloton because they see the types of new experiences we're building on and innovating on. Uh, I think right now we remain super focused on taking what we had with Lane Break and, and the success we've had with our initial launch and building on that. So we kind of acknowledge that in its current state, it's it's a great kind of moment to moment experience. And we're really satisfied with that. But relative to you know other game experiences, especially gamers who may expect uh, more metagame systems, progression, things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely more to be desired there. So we're really taking in uh, a lot of feedback from what we see in the community, uh, a lot of, you know, member requests, complaints, feedback, things like that, um, and kind of planning out a, a roadmap for improving lane break, while at the same time thinking about how can we take these uh, type of uh, interactive fitness experiences further on other platforms, um, on bike, but in different ways. So uh, we're also still in that kind of prototyping phase, thinking about what we could do next as well. Yeah, I think that's that's got to be a fun and interesting challenge that you essentially have, if you're talking about the bike, two verbs, right? Someone has pedal speed and they have resistance. Um, and you could do inputs on the touch screen, but I think that would actually be counter to the exercise, probably. Like if it's you put a quick time event on the cut screen, I would not, not be about it at all, but... Um, I think it's an interesting space to be in to think about how could I uh, deliver a fun experience using these pedals and this resistance band or resistance uh, uh, knob, pretty much. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, really ripe ground for, for innovation. Um, Lane Break, you said, launched five months ago. Is that right? It launched in February of this year. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what has been the uh, audience response to it and, and what sort of KPIs are you tracking? What are you tracking to see if uh, it sounds like you're doing a, a combination of probably uh, uh, metrics and then also user studies uh, to, to track, validate and improve the experience. So uh, how's, how's the release been? How's the audience response been? What is it you're monitoring? Yeah. So we've been pretty happy with um, the launch we had in February to our global audience. Um, Lane Break was really well received, is picked up with, by a bunch of media outlets. And I think there was a lot of critical praise for 
um, just the quality of the experience, how fun and engaging it is. Um, we did some surveying of our existing members and got feedback that um, you know the levels themselves uh, got got really high ratings relative to what we've seen on our platform. Uh, we saw like an average score of 4.4 out of five, which which is really solid for us. We were really happy with. Um, and for us, you know, I, I think I look at uh, metrics and performance for Lane Break in a couple different tiers. And you know, the first tier is uh, just overall health of the service, and this is very similar standard across all types of products like this in terms of you know active members, workout completion rate, making sure that you know the quality of the experience is there and that people are coming back to it on a regular basis. Um, but it's it's kind of interesting to evaluate uh, Lane Break relative to some of the previous products that I worked on because. Um, it kind of exists in a unique space where this isn't a standalone product where we have to worry about, you know, user acquisition and the funnel directly there into, you know, retaining them, converting them. It's more about how do we measure the health and benefit of lane break as part of the greater whole and as part yeah. of adding to the workout experience on, on the bike overall. And so, um, you know, we look at kind of long-term retention and are people coming back to lane break on a weekly basis but also for the people that we bring back to engagement with Lanebreak, are they staying on the platform? Are they going back and, and uh, engaging with both uh, Lanebreak and Scenic Rising experiences and, and instructor-led classes? Um, and really trying to dig into how it's used. Because uh, on one hand, you know we're, we're excited about Lanebreak. We want to keep improving it. But we're also using this to learn a lot about uh, what interests people about gamified fitness and mm -hmm. how they want to incorporate it into the routines. And so to just give you one example, one of the things we've seen is that because lane break is, is really engaging and really gets people to, to push themselves harder than we've seen in, in other class types, people really love to use it as like a warm up or a cool down as something to, mm. to really like spice up their routine, get in a quick like five or 10 minute uh, lane break warm up and then go off and do another class. And so trying to look at those trends, look at those segmentations of both users and behavior uh, are giving us clues about, you know, where to continue investing in the future. Got it. And, and in terms of investment, it sounds like your team it, in Peloton Interactive is doing both uh, live development of the existing game as well as prototyping and trying to find that next interactive uh, experience. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I hope to see uh, Vin Diesel's Guns of Glory on <laughs> <laughs> If you can, if you can curl, if you can curl to the beat, it shifts. Maybe the your. I'm getting stupid. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm similarly excited. You know, I I think that's that's the great thing about um, our team and the space that we're in is that uh, we have such an opportunity across you know all our different platforms. There's some interesting challenges to solve, like you said, when it comes to input mechanisms and you know how do you make that a quality experience. We definitely don't want to just you know. Uh, port something over to Peloton and, and you know slap something on a platform if it doesn't make sense from from a fitness perspective and so yeah trying to figure out what makes sense for for each platform for for each type of user who's coming in um, it's a really fun and interesting space to to be in and to explore yeah um, does the this current kind of live ops live improvement phase of lane break feel similar? Uh, to your time at Super Senso and, and working on uh, the live service there, similar live services on, I, I don't know if my baby or w w whatever your baby game was, was called, I think probably had some live service elements to it. Um, yeah. so does, does this feel like a just very similar, familiar game development phase for you? Or are there um, meaningful differences, probably just the, the level of uh, personal fitness of the, the people involved. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely have become a lot more fit working on these products. Mm -hmm. I can say that yeah. uh, when I first joined Peloton, I hadn't run or worked out too much in, in the previous you know year or so in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And now I'm training for a half marathon and I'm running every day and I'm on lane break and I'm, I'm on bike workouts. So uh, <laughs> there's definitely the benefit of that. But um, I think it is pretty similar, you know, the, the way in which we make decisions, the way in which uh, we kind of frame our goals, the metrics we want to look at, the targets we want to try and improve and, and the insights we're learning are all very similar. I think, you know, probably the key difference and, and the real challenge is, uh, like I kind of noted before, we're in this rarefied space where 
there aren't really many direct competitors that are mm-hmm. directly applicable. Um, I think when you're in uh, the mobile game space in my past experience, right, you know, you create a core experience and then there's a plethora of, you know, best practice features and systems that yeah. you can somewhat copy paste, right? Like uh, it's, it's the, you don't necessarily need to, to reinvent the wheel to, to have a bunch of success and, and kind of target and focus on specific things. But um, for us, it's a little bit more challenging, you know, when we get feedback, for example, about, you know, wanting to make the, the lane break experience more varied and uh, try and see if we can add some more interesting, engaging mechanics. Um, there's not something we can just, you know, take as reference and slap in there. It, re- it really mm-hmm. requires a pretty significant amount of R&D and testing and, and great design work by our team. So um, it's it's a fun challenge trying to uh, come up with the solutions to apply to the same types of user problems that we see. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of orthogonal thinking involved. Um, I am, am I right in guessing that a lot of your colleagues are, or that your colleagues are a mix of people with game development and non-game, you know, more traditional software development experience? In your experience, uh, what are some of the challenges, what are some of the strengths and weaknesses uh, people like me, people with a, a peer game development background have uh, when coming into uh, uh, an organization like Peloton? Like if I joined Peloton today, what, what, uh, what would my life uh, and challenges be like other than needing to probably tell a lot fewer bad jokes about comic book superheroes. <laughs> I I think you'd fit right in. I <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that too much. Uh I think I think the fortunate thing that um I I have been pleasantly surprised by uh coming to Peloton is that we've been able to create an environment uh within this team within the organization that is not too dissimilar from other types of gaming environments that I've come from. So it's I don't think it would be too much of a transition, but um, there are a few differences that uh, have been interesting to kind of uh, understand the different points of view on and, and evolve as we go. Um, I think one one thing from the development perspective, definitely, uh, like just the difference between tech and my previous games experience is in QA and testing and automation. Um, I think we definitely have like a higher bar for code quality at, uh, at Peloton relative to, to some of my prior experiences. And so it was a... Uh, Really funny and interesting to come in, and uh, my first feedback was like, "Wow, this is this is such a professional environment. We have all these automated tests. I'm really impressed, like relative to gaming." And I talked to uh, you know my my engineering lead who who has been at Peloton a long time and on other teams, and he has like the opposite impression. He's like, "This gaming team is like the messiest, like least you know buttoned up part of the org." And uh, so it's it's kind of a, an interesting blend between those two worlds. But uh, I think That's we find a, a good middle ground. Um, what do you mean I can't just ship a known bug to production <laughs> to get this event out right now? No, I there's... accept that it's a bug. <laughs> That's fine. There was a there was a time um, working on Super Senso back at Turbo where uh, we made three app store updates in five days. And uh, it was really fast to get out hot fixes and bugs and updates. It was very scrappy. There wasn't a lot of like red tape and protocol. And it's not to say that there isn't like, you know, a, a ton of admin overhead here at Peloton, but there's just a lot more uh, of a controlled process, which um, I, I think is actually great so that uh, we don't have to worry as much about, you know, maintaining stability and, and uh, disrupting our members. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the revenue model is so much different being a subscription and retention play than being a, you know, if I think about games I've done in the past on on mobile, they're either pure IAP or IAP plus ads, IAP plus ads and subscription. But when when 95% of your revenue is coming from either IAP or ad products, um, keeping constant excitement and events going in the game is critical. Whereas if, if you're a subscription play, you are about long-term retention and long-term delight and stability for your customers. And so like the, the producer, Ethan, who in the past has been like, I am waving this bug so we can ship this update right now. Like it's fine. Let's do it. Like that doesn't fly because in in that subscription model, the the uh, what what's important is much different. 
That's right. And it's actually a, a part of the reason why I love working on a product like this as well is that, um, you know, because the business model is a little bit different, we don't have to worry as as much or at all about, you know, conversion points and, and kind of like that full down the funnel experience and, and microtransactions. We can be and we can't afford to be really focused on just the quality of the experience and engagement and long term retention. And you know, a lot of the mechanics of what we do are similar, but um, they have slightly different influences. So, for example, from a live ops perspective, we're really interested in keeping people thinking about lane break, keeping it top of mind. You know, we're releasing yeah. new levels every week with new featured artists. So we're trying to keep the experience fresh, but it's not necessarily purely because we need to keep people retained and converting them, but really so that uh, we keep it top of mind and and leverage the fact that you know, we've, we've added value, we've added a new kind of experience, we've got that that variety to the overall Peloton ecosystem. And so thinking about how to strike that balance between kind of promoting our team's product within the broader overall ecosystem and still making sure that the fact that we're promoting it is is adding value to uh, the overall user base and the overall kind of bike and cardio experience um, is kind of an interesting challenge. Yeah. And uh, just to, to close it out, um, are you hiring? Uh, you know, if there are people in the audience who have been listening to this and sounds and, and the uh, gamified fitness sounds like the right next thing for them, who are you looking for? What sort of game developers are you looking to join Peloton Interactive? Yeah, we're always looking for people who are interested in this space because uh, I think most importantly, uh, people who have a background of experience or passion in, in fitness or applying games in this way is great. Um, we're particularly interested in Unity developers because uh, that's how we build Lanebreak and that's kind of the engine that we use for, for all of our gamified fitness experiences. But we're also currently hiring for a, a games product manager to work with me on the games team, um, as well as a program manager to uh, kind of lead our, our gamified fitness initiatives from a project management perspective. So, um, you know, those are kind of our Just open roles, of, but out of personal interest, how many hours a day might a person like that be able to test the product by which I mean work out? Because it, it, it only depends on your messy. body. <laughs> you know, some people they can test for 10, 15 minutes. Some people can go two hours. Um, we have some testing yeah. tools so that, you know, you can simulate running. So you don't necessarily uh, have to be on the treadmill or on the bike, but um I just I just want to join now so that when my wife is like, help with the kids right now, I'll be like, can't, honey, can't, honey, testing that product, working on my goal. <laughs> That's right. You get you get some good, uh, good value use out of your time to do uh, to, to work out and uh, be working at the same time for sure. All right. Well, if any of those roles sound like you, Jim, what's the best way to uh, reach you? Yeah, um, I think the easiest way is is probably on LinkedIn, um, but um, you can also find it on our Peloton career site. Um, if you just search for games, you'll find kind of our open listings. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to always talk with people who are just interested in this space, even if we don't have an opening, because uh, we probably will in the future. And it's it's just great to learn from folks who are, who are really interested in, in the types of things we're working on. Awesome. Well, Jim, uh, thanks so much for uh, sharing your time and, and educating us about uh, Peloton Interactive and being my first uh, non-blockchain gaming-based interview that I've done myself. So uh, I think I think this went well. I think this went uh, uh, decently. How how would you rate me? How many out of five? At at least a four and a half out of five. At least four and a half. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, inviting me on and. Uh, and, and, and talking about this space. All right. Thanks, Jim.